0: You're listening to the Josh Trains Me podcast. Okay, man. Thanks for jumping on. Let's let's jump into this, man. You are you're a man of a ton of knowledge. I've been looking up to you for quite a while in the training realm. You're another coach. You're 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 an expert in this in this field. I appreciate that, man.
1: Appreciate yeah.
0: it. Yeah, you're welcome. So um, this is going to be a really good podcast for people. So I want to actually just explain quickly. Um, I'm going to get you to do a quick uh, sort of bio, but. My bio for you is someone that's been in the fitness industry for a long time with your own kind of physique and your own training, but you've also been a coach for close to 20 years, right? Yep. Yep. This
1: will be my 17th year.
0: And you also shed some pretty interesting um, progressions with your supplement company recently as well. So I'd like that to be part of this so that other folks can kind of hear the nitty gritty, hear the details, and then obviously support themselves by supporting you and your supplements as well
1: so yeah of course that's that's who i build it for is everyone else right yeah
0: yeah so who who is michael knapp
1: oh god i don't know if you want the uh, pg version or the real version <laughs> let's go 14a <laughs> yeah no the uh so i started out long time ago you know i was uh i don't know it's probably 15 16 pretty insecure i grew up not impoverished and ultra poor, but you know, I didn't really have the nicest clothes, didn't have the nicest shoes, didn't really have an identity because I uh, switched households at a young age, went from one parent to another, and they were very uh, opposite polarities. So I really struggled with identity. And uh, coming into high school, I discovered a uh, a class called Body Shop. And it's not like, you know, the mechanic body shop, but it was actually an exercise class. And uh, I was like, all right, well, this is interesting. And I started working out and I got strong really quick. And I started to build muscles really quick. You know, it's 16, my testosterone's just flying, growth hormones flying. So I was growing really fast and just I felt like I was starting to carry myself a little bit different. I started to build some self-esteem. My acne started to clear people that once, you know, were mistreating me started to treat me differently. And I was just like, wow, like this is really empowering. And it just, it became so addictive, the euphoria of that sensation. So you know, it went all the way into grade twelve, and then after grade twelve, I became certified. Uh, worked for a couple different gyms. The second gym wanted to hire me as a manager at age nineteen, which didn't kind of go over so well with the staff that were, you know, thirty-five year old trainers, forty-year old trainers. So, a little yeah. bit of a uh, you know uh, uh, power struggle there. But yeah, I just I kept climbing the ladders at each different facility I worked for. Uh, my favorite facility that I worked for was Gould's Gym. They gave me the freedom to properly train people without having a lot of the, you know, I find that when you work for a gym as a trainer, you're permitted some freedom, but not a lot. Like it still has to somewhat coincide with the business model.
0: Yeah, and uh, Gould's hobby.
1: Gym really was just like, you know what, man, you know what you're doing. Just go do what you want to do. Yeah. And uh, after they sold to good life, which kind of broke my heart, I uh, decided to venture out on my own, started my own personal training company, my own studio. Then I started a supplement line, which is the body master supplement line. And uh, I have an app on the phone now. So it just, you know, it started from an insecurity and then it's I'm turning it into the legacy. So cool, man. Yeah, that's, yeah. That's,
0: that's a great story. And, I, and I've talked to, obviously, you know, we've both talked to lots of people, but that, that uh, initial effect, and then we'll get into the fat loss stuff. But that initial effect of just, you know, having having some identity confusion and, and being young and being, you know, uh, influential to um, everything around you, and just the fact that you can start working out and, de- and building some muscle, man, that, that like, support so many aspects of life as a, not even just a young person, but someone that's just getting into fitness, whatever age, when you start to put some muscle on, regardless of your sex, gender, age, like that, that is such a critical step.
1: Well, how many, you have to ask yourself, right? You've been coaching for a while too. How many times have you seen somebody take their biggest weakness and turn it into one of their biggest strengths. And it just like, it totally alters that human being and how they look at the world. Yeah. Right. It's so empowering, so empowering to watch and see and be a part of.
0: Yeah. And I'd say, especially in women, I I get more empowered by women um, seeing these big transformations. And that's something that you and I will talk about in this podcast. Um, Yeah. Yeah. So let's, let's jump into this, man. Um, let's, let's pick your brain. Let's get this in. Um, let's get this rock. And so, um, you're, you're definitely a fat loss expert. I've learned a lot from you and you've been in this field for a long time. Do you want to talk about maybe some of the myths that might still be floating around for fat loss?
1: Oh gosh. Yeah, we can, you know, we could do a whole podcast just on the myths. Yeah. Really. It's true.
0: Let's identify maybe a couple of these big ones that we need to get the fuck out of Dodge with.
1: Yeah. Well, I, I think one of the biggest issues it's going to, you know, it kind of comes down to gender to a degree ish, but I find that a lot of the female fat loss plans are ultra low calorie, like they're ultra low calorie. And one of the things that I've noticed people are searching for that immediate gratification. So they're like, look, like I want to lose 50 pounds. I want to lose 40 pounds. I want to lose 80 pounds. You know, that first week, Bam, they see like six pounds, and all of a sudden they think that this program is gangbusters. It's like the best program ever. I lost six pounds this week. Yeah. But then it's like three pounds the next week, and then it's one pound, and then it's no pounds, and then they start to gain weight. And I think one of the biggest kind of misleading luring things that people do is they're like, we can get you down this amount of fat this quickly, but yeah, like you can give these women and these men super low calorie diets and they'll lose a bunch of weight at the beginning, but then there's a whole plethora of rebound that comes with it. Their hormones go to whack. So testosterone, estrogen, ghrelin, all those hunger hormones that accompany that. They, they end up going like this boom. And then they come back even higher, even bigger and even worse. And it's because these people go so low with their calories. Mm. You know, it's fat loss is math. Fat loss is math, biology and chemistry. It's not just low calories. Okay. If you have somebody that hasn't yo-yo dieted, they have a very low stress level, Um, they have the, they have the gene, the gene expression. So they have the genetics for it. You can get away with lower calorie, but the problem is, is a lot of people that are searching out fat loss have yo-yo dieted. They try to lose weight. They can't, they gain it. They lose weight. They can't, they gain it. And each time it gets worse and worse. And worse, and they're like, "Man, is it like how extreme do I have to go to lose these calories?" And then you get these people that are doing extremes like HCG, where they're taking the injections of HCG and they're eating 800 calories a day. And it's just like, "Yeah, congratulations! Like you're in a hypersensitized ketogenic state." But what happens when you come off of HCG? Right, you're, you're like 30 pounds heavier than what you were before you started the plan. So one of the big myths is low calories isn't always a good thing. There's a lot of other things involved other than low calories to make that sustainable.
0: Yeah, I think that's a really good point. And I know that you recently posted about this too being like what the fuck happens after you reach your goal for instance? Like say the plan worked even enough to get you there. What next? Like it's not yeah, How do you keep good. it? Yeah. It's not necessarily the exact same thing. And uh I think you know, we again this could be a huge topic, but I think just the fact that those folks generally like, who are we talking to, like those folks have generally yo-yo died, they've generally they've probably also been misled by a so-called professional as well. So it's not all on them, right? As you're saying, like they've had yeah. some bad experiences, they've probably invested some money into people that misled them. And unfortunately, they didn't see the result because it's not realistic. Um Yeah. So that, that sucks. Right. So maybe another word for this, it's not so much myths, but how we get misled around fat loss. Um, that's this great takeaway. Is there anything else that you can mention off the top of your head that you think is,
1: uh, well, yeah, like there, man, we could, we could deep dive on this all day. Like there's, there's so many myths just in general, like, you know, how much protein we should be having, you know, one of the myths of like, you have to have protein within 30 minutes of your exercise window for you to maximize protein synthesis. And it's like, okay, like this is 1980s iron information here. Like, that's not how it works, man. So, you know, like, I think, I think for fat loss, Some myths that need to be debunked is it doesn't always have to be low calorie. Yes, you have to be in a calorie deprived state to lose calories, but you don't have to be ultra low calories to lose fat. It's actually detrimental. So I would constitute that as a myth. Uh, Another thing that's a myth is carbs are bad. Fuck off if you think carbs are bad. Okay. If you think keto is bad, fuck off. Like it's, it's all about harmonizing what you're doing and creating metabolic flexibility. If you had to go live in the woods and the only thing that you had access to was berries and bear meat, your body will learn to thrive on berries and bear meat. You get stranded out in the plains of some hot African country. And all you can access is a couple of mice and some grains and some root vegetables. Guess what? That's what people live on when they're there. So one of the myths is that carbs are bad. Fats are bad. Protein's bad. You know, self-attained potassium is bad. Sure. It's not the greatest for your gut biome, but it's, we need to get more out of the mindset of this is good and this is bad. And we need to get into the mindset of that. Everything has duality. Yeah. You know what I mean? If you take too much vitamin C, you're going to get sick. You take too much vitamin E, you're going to get sick. You don't have enough vitamin C, you're going to get sick. You don't have enough vitamin E, you're going to get sick. So it's the, the whole nutrition, fitness, fat loss industry is so dogmatic. It's absolutely astounding. And you talk to one professional and they say, this is a myth. And then you have another professional, like you got a vegan over here saying that you can be perfectly healthy doing nose to tail. They're like, no, nose to tail is a myth. That is not true. And then you get the exact same thing on the other side. Right. So, you know, there's myths everywhere. I think it's prudent and appropriate and responsible that if you don't know how to navigate the chaotic waters of nutrition fitness, biology, longevity, gut health. If you don't have a grasp on those things and you have any value for your life, then you need to have somebody that's going to be able to easily steer you through those waters and kind of let you know that this isn't that bad. Neither is this. This is what I would do if it was me. Right?
0: Yeah. Yeah. The simple, the simple sort of summary I'm getting from that. And I agree with it is like, things aren't black and white, but it's easily marketed to say like you know uh, the, you know the blanket term of macronutrient this is bad like there's there's general trends like each decade there's a a new carbohydrate or a new macronutrient that's fucking terrible for you like it's been carbs it's been fat there's been low carb diet there's been low fat diet there's i don't know if there's been a low protein diet but there's certainly a lot of angles and uh a lot of content around protein being you know terrible for your organs and that bodybuilders are going to have terrible livers because of the protein consumption. I, I agree. Um, we could go for a while on this. So let's, uh, I'm going to let you lead a little bit here. Cause I wanted to go through some things that um, just to help people get sort of steered. I want people to listen to this and be like, you know what? It's, it's not so bad. I got some, I can kind of get some of these myths debunked as we're talking about already. Um, let's go over some, Time wasters and or money wasters. So what are some things that you think people are doing in terms of fat loss that is a really inefficient use of their time?
1: Uh, I would say a grotesque amount of cardio. When you see these bodybuilders prepping for their shows, doing, you know, two, three hours of cardio, you know, I might catch a dumbbell in my back for saying it, but I think one of the worst (laughs) things that these people are doing (laughs) in terms of time wasting is steady state cardio for extended periods of time. Now let's not misconstrue, you know, getting 10,000 steps in a day versus just plugging away on a treadmill for two and three hours or plugging away on a bike for two and three hours, because realistically your return on investment is going to be shit. You can burn 500 calories. How I use the analogy of steady state cardio versus like, high intensity training or weight training, the, the analogy I have is I could give you $10 right now. Okay. I'm like, Josh, here's 10 bucks That's I your steady can. state cardio. That's it. That's all you get. Or if I say, Josh, this month, I'm going to give you three bucks, but I'm going to give you three bucks every month. And every month it's going to collect interest. Yeah. Eventually after three months, shortly after, depending on the interest rate, you're actually going to have $10 and more and it's gonna keep growing and yeah. growing and growing. And that's your metabolic adaptability. That's your body's ability to utilize fuel, increasing your metabolism, increasing the demand for energy through your muscles, your heart's gonna become more muscular. So one of the things I find is a squandering of time is that long steady state cardio, yeah. right? There's some therapeutic effects mentally and physically for hitting your 10,000 steps a day. That's just a part of being a human, you know, getting up, moving around, walking back and forth, going outside, getting some vitamin D to regulate your circadian rhythm and your hunger hormones. So long steady state cardio is one thing I definitely, definitely think uh, you could better utilize your time somewhere else. The next thing is fat loss supplements. If your gut biome and your nutrition program, and your training program is not bulletproof, fat loss supplements aren't going to do shit. Fat loss supplements are like 3% of the equation, 5% of the equation max. So when you see everything, there's all sorts of nonsense out there, like these hydroxy cut and all this kind of stuff. Like, yeah, sure. You want to do that and destroy your internal organs throughout the process and not fix the actual reason why you're not losing fat. Yeah. And you have yeah. to depend on these supplements. I think that fat loss supplements by the majority are a waste of time and a waste of money. Okay. A waste of time. Cause you got to earn your money, which you are then going to go spend on fat loss supplements, which are usually most of the time detrimental, not to stereotype or be dogmatic in my belief system. Uh, so steady state cardio fat loss supplements. I think one of the biggest waste of time, Josh, is not educating yourself on the program that you're following. How well do you know your coach? How well do you know the program that these people are delivering to you? Because how many people go through fat loss program, after fat loss program, after fat loss program, none of them work, and they end up spending years years you know just as much as i do when somebody comes to you and they've been trying to lose weight for years of their life Mm -hmm. making sure that you're working with somebody that knows what they're doing is probably the best way to save time is having somebody that's educated and understands fat loss at the biologically cellular level like what's actually (laughs) happening with fat loss
0: i think i think a part of that too is uh is finding some, so I'm a big fan of this being humble and being honest when I'm like, I actually don't know. Right. So like we, we could talk all day about things that you know, about fat loss that I don't like, you're an expert in this. And, and part of the reason I wanted to get you on here is because you have a lot of insight and a lot of info and a lot of anecdotal evidence too, right? Like you've tried it out on yourself and then clients. And then, you know, you have all this info with a supplement line, but I'd say a balance of finding someone that is definitely experienced but then also is not going to lead you astray because their ego is too big for them to say you know what i'm actually not sure about
1: this let's bring someone else in mm-hmm. right well and and fat loss man like it's simple but it's complicated 100 it, it really is
0: well and and you know you and i can both talk about this like as you're saying you know fat loss is down to math biology and chemistry and i agree and then i'm also like what about the behavioral component of this? Like, what about, like, how does therapy fit into this? Right? Like, there's there's so many other angles, and that's what makes it so broad. As you're saying, it's it, it can be simple, but it's not easy.
1: Well, yeah, people just think that it's fat loss, right? They're like, well, like, how hard is it, like, for me to just lose fat? You know, then you got to start doing discovery with people and be like, look, like, why are you overweight in the first place? Oh, well, you know, like, I drink too much. I don't really work out. Uh, you know, I like pizza and it's like, okay, well, why? I'm like, what do you mean? Why? Cause you know, pizza and you know, alcohol is delicious and it makes me feel good. And it's like, so you don't feel good when you're not eating those things. i are like, well, like, yeah, like I feel normal or okay. And it's like, well, normal and okay. Isn't feeling unmotivated and feeling the need to depend on like really poor quality, exogenous foods and substances to feel better. You know, like what's going on in your day-to-day behavior that makes you feel incomplete and the things that make you the most happy are the things that are the most destructive. That's self-sabotaging behavior. You know, do you struggle with confidence? Do you have identity issues? Have you had issues in the past where maybe a spouse has cheated on you or you didn't get the attention that you thought you needed growing up? Like the actual depth And gravity to why people are even overweight or have addictions or problems in the first place. You know what I mean? My wife's a manager for a mental health clinic, like for the, for the hospital. And it's just why people do what they do is. know what i mean trainers have to be therapists we have to be nutritionists we have to be educated in physiology corrective behavior like it's not it's not as easy as what a lot of people think and you know i'd probably say josh one out of every 10 clients i get is just just cakewalk you know here's your calories here's your meal plan follow the plan you do it you will succeed they do it they succeed yeah right but the other nine out of ten there's usually more going on than just, I want to lose fat.
0: Yeah. You could call it baggage too, or you could call it, you know, past
1: difficulties with other people they've hired or just more complex issues. Right. Yeah. yeah. Well, a lot of them are emotional, right? Like if I say, why do you exercise every day? It'll probably elicit some sort of emotional trigger. and makes totally. you feel good. So if you ask somebody, you know, like, a lot of the clients that I work with that are female, they love their chips. And I'm like, how do you feel when you eat chips? They're like, I feel good. Like the crunch and the salt. And it just makes me feel euphoric and good. And it's like, that's one of those triggers where we got to jump down that rabbit hole and really find out like
0: why. And that's if the client has that level of self-awareness.
1: Yeah. That
0: capacity, right. Another fucking full spectrum of like, I want to get deep, but are you willing to get deep as well? Do you have the capacity? Can you access that? Like, yeah, you're right. It's a, it's a really, it's a really big role. I'd say one of the, one of the things that I would be mindful of if, if, uh, as a, uh, you know, a new potential client entering the world of potentially hiring someone is, I think it's look for experience. Um, especially in now, like, I, I mean, I've taken marketing courses and I realized that you could be an absolute garbage newbie trainer and look extremely fucking professional and make it look like you have a ton of clients and make it look like you have a lot of testimonials, but you may not have the actual experience yet. So that's kind of, that's, that's, those are tough waters to navigate because I don't actually really know how you would even understand the credibility or sort through that, sift through it. But that's well, something this I is do the mind. thing.
1: This is this is the thing, right? Is that people are willing to scour for hours over a mortgage broker. What is going to be the best mortgage broker that I can get? What is going to be the best possible vehicle I can get? People spend months and months trying to decide. Is this vehicle going to be good for my children? Is it going to be safe? What is the warranty? Has there been an issue with wheel bearings? Like, people do a lot of research when they invest in things, right? But it's, it's almost like ironic because when it comes to health, people see a fat loss program for Sandra's $49 boot camp get fit for summer program. They see 49 bucks. They're like, well, oh, that's cheap. Yeah. That's cheap. And it's like, yeah. So is McDonald's. So is a bag yeah. of chips. Those Tim Hortons, like lots of things are cheap. Just because it's cheap doesn't mean it's good. And that's like, I have an elite coaching program, Josh, where I charge five grand for three months. Yeah. $5,000. But I'm also doing a full genome panel. So I go over 30,000 SNPs. So, like, I get your entire. Gene, everything genetic that makes you, you, I get access to all of that. I check for over 49 blood markers. What's your iron levels? What are your white blood cell count? What's your estrogen levels? Like what's your testosterone levels? Like, and then I, I get them to purchase, like in that package, it comes with an aura ring. I want to quantify how is your sleep quality? you know, are you getting enough REM sleep? Are you getting enough deep sleep? Is your heart rate variability high? I literally have to extract the full biological scope of that person. And then guess what? When they ask me, can I deliver like precision results? Yeah. Yeah, I can. Cause I can actually look at your DNA on my computer screen. I can look at your blood work on my computer screen. I can look at your sleep and heart health on my computer screen and I can guarantee results. If you're just getting some randomized one page, do these squats, do these burpees, eat this amount of calories and you're good. It's like, yeah, no.
0: (laughs) Yeah. It's got to be broken down more than that for sure. And you get what you pay for a lot of the time for sure. Right. I mean, you can get in, you can get in, of course you can buy the base, the base packages from some people, but like you get what you pay for. So if you need specific results and you need that next, that next level of training or that individualized
1: coaching program then hopefully hopefully you can invest in yourself in that way right well you know what i mean you got to think how much do you spend a month on a cell phone how much do you spend a month on your car payment how much do you spend a month on your mortgage and one of the things that i just you know it's maybe i'm biased because it's my profession and i'm just so compelled to help people live the best possible life they can but it's like two and a half mortgage payments If you could save up two and a half mortgage payments and get like a bulletproof program specifically for your DNA, for your blood, for your sleep, like five grand to me to have the perfect designed thing for my body to maximize my longevity, my muscles, my fat loss, my organ, my vision, my cognitive health, my spine, my gut health, like for me, that's a no brainer, but for other people, you know what I mean? It it only becomes a priority after it's getting to the point of almost too late when something goes wrong, that's when people tend to like, man, five grand, I'll mug an old lady for that five grand. If it means that, you know what I mean? I can actually sleep. Well, and the tough part
0: about this is, and you know, we'll steer back to the conversation, but the the tough part is we're living in Western civilization where we're, we're, you know, and you know what I'm going to say with this? Like, The way we're marketed to by medical, um, anything health related is it's it's reactive. So, of course, it's going to be to the point where I'm like, I'm fucked. I need help. It's like, damn it. There were 150 warning signs leading up to this. Right. Now you're really screwed. Now you got to pay for it. And the thing is, like a lot of folks still aren't willing to do make the changes or do the work or. Uh, improve that they want the they want the medical uh, sort of slap or the or the pill or the quick fix or the the surgery or the whatever it is right yeah
1: um, stuff so man. that's one of so that's one of the things is I I released a new product it's a digital product it's called the Year of the Alpha and so I market to people that want to lose fat I straight up market to people that want to lose fat because I can guarantee fat loss with my program. And it's every month they get a new program with new information, new foods, new things to focus on. But sometimes, and it's okay to do this, like to anybody that's watching this, it's okay to use the excuse of fat loss to care about yourself. Totally. It is. If, if fat loss is what is going to open the door to health for you, then hey, like I support you a hundred percent you know, doing a ridiculous amount of weight on a bench press with really shitty posture in grade 10 was the doorway to me being where I am now. I'm in the best shape of my life at age 36. Uh, I have two companies now, like it's okay to use fat loss as a reason to be healthy, but it's also like knowing that you deserve it. And there's nothing wrong with how anybody looks, but if you feel unhappy with how you look if you don't like how you look naked if you don't like how you jiggle when you run or even if you can run then use fat loss use fat loss if it's going to get you to a better place mentally and physically
0: yeah i think that's great man it's you know you're clearly you're in a support role and we're not here to make people feel worse we're just identifying like trends and then saying yeah it it doesn't matter the reason you get into it but you're also going to get a lot of other benefits from it and you're going to realize that that original maybe gateway or the reason you got into it in the first place may not be the main reason you continue doing it right like we know fat loss is a part of most people's routines and most people's journeys but people feel incredible when they start to change their life and fat Mm -hmm. loss is like oh yeah and this but it's like yeah i wasn't even thinking about that i just feel so much better and these 18 you know possible situations in my life so yeah yeah i I agree with you man um do you want to jump into uh you you had so last time we tried this podcast we had some tech issues you were talking about your this really efficient type of um interval training i think you had something down to like a seven or an 11 minute workout that was super effective is that relevant you want to talk about that
1: Sure. Yeah, we can. I mean, anything that's going to increase mitochondrial efficiency is going to improve fat loss. So I'll, I'll break that down real simple. Mitochondrial efficiency is essentially inside your cells. You have these little motors and those motors suck up energy from the bloodstream could be fat, could be carbohydrates. And these mitochondria, they burn up that fuel in your blood and turn it into a usable energy called ATP. So what happens is, is that I'll explain the program in just a second of what I use Mm -hmm. and what I have some of my clients use is when you go from zero to 100, you have to remember these little mitochondria are like, oh my God, like we were literally just sitting and now we're in an all out sprint. Like this is crazy. Like even today, what I do is I get my wife, I'll just be sitting there on my assault bike, nice and slow. I'll have my eyes closed and out of the blue, I get her to scream at me and just, ah! and then I have to go as hard as I can for 20 seconds. I'll explain the reasoning behind it. But when you, (laughs) it's funny to watch. I get my, I get my 13 year old to do it, but it's just not as near intimidating. (laughs) Um, So what happens is you go from zero to 100, your heart And your energy system, literally, it's like taking your car from zero and just going to 100. Now, do you want to do that really poorly? Do you want to be in one of those old beater cars that are like, uh, then you slowly get up there? No, you want to be like the Ferrari that's just like, and then you're at 100. So the mechanisms responsible for that, these little mitochondria, you want them to just rip that energy out of the bloodstream and break it down into ATP as fast as possible so you can then use it. That's one of the reasons that I do this protocol, which I'll explain in a second, because it improves mitochondrial efficiency. How fast can those little motors that give you energy how quickly and how efficiently can they respond? Because you can go from zero to a hundred, but if it's not being done efficiently, it's not going to matter. Okay. So where this stems back to is just, it's our lineage. You know what I mean? Back to our primitive state. We weren't always on the top of the food chain. We weren't, there was always bigger, badder, better animals than what we were. And I actually kind of indirectly heisted the protocol. There's a company out there that has a bike that does this for you. And there's an ambient component to it. So you'll be on this bike and it'll have you tropsing through the jungle, you know, the leaves cracking underneath your feet and you're going along. And then all of a sudden a jaguar or some sort of panther or lion, you'll hear it in your back, like in the, in the background and you'll have to pedal as fast as you can. And what's cool about this bike is that the faster you pedal, the farther away the animal gets. But if you slow down, then that animal component actually comes back as if you're primitively, like if you're being chased by this animal, that's going to eat you. And it plays on that innate, just biological breeding in us where, yeah, like an animal's hunting you, you're going to be going as fast as you can. So it's it's actually wild the way that this company did it, but I made it usable for everybody. And what, what I do is I go on a bike or I go on the treadmill and literally I'll just go with my eyes closed and then randomly I'll go as hard as I can. And they've shown, I think through like six or seven um, PubMed studies and a couple of different other studies that that is what determines true heart health is how quickly can you go from zero to a hundred and then back exactly. down. Yeah. yeah. Right. That's, that's one of the big markers on how healthy your heart is because sure I could come over and take any one of your viewers, you know, bust into their house and chase them out of there. But it's just like, when it's all said and done, like, can you calm down right away? Yeah. That's, what's going to be one of the biggest determinings of your heart health. And by extension, like how well is your energy system working to get you going there? So yeah, like exactly. I'll give you the exact plan. What I do. So anywhere between one and four minutes, I'll just go at a nice leisurely pace. And then just randomly, if my wife's not screaming at me, my 13 year old is, or I'll just automatically do it myself, go as hard as you possibly can on an assault bike, pedal bike, row machine, treadmill, and I'll just go as fast as I can for 20 seconds. And then I'll just slow right down like a snail's pace. And then uh, Dr. Andrew Huberman at of Stanford University's discovered one of the most efficacious ways to get the uh, sympathetic nervous system dialed down in a quick hurry is to do a double inhale through your nose. So yeah, mouth exhale. So after I do my 20 seconds, I do the double nasal inhale, exhale through the mouth, and then once I start to feel calm again, I'll either go right again, or I'll wait a little bit and go again. I do that twice. And Mm. so those, those studies have shown that you only need to do two of those 20 second intervals to capitalize for your cardiovascular health in a, in an entire week. Really? Yeah. So, wow,
0: that is, that's huge. So, I mean, we're not talking about interval training. We're getting a lot more specific
1: than that. Um, so how often do you do it for yourself then? Uh, well, this is, this is my livelihood, right? Like I just love it. So anywhere between two and three days a week. So Tuesdays, I'll usually do it on the treadmill and, uh, I have a little personal goal. Sometimes I get my clients to challenge me to do things that I don't think I can. So right, right now, my goal is, um, it's a five minute mile on the assault bike. No sprinting.
0: Yeah. That's, that's a fast, that's really fast.
1: Yeah. So my goal is to do a five minute mile, but in the back of my mind, I'm doing it with the emulation as if I'm being hunted by something because realistically a bear is not going to give up in 20 seconds. Yeah. You know what I mean? That bear is going to chase you until it wears out. So I like that primitive component of it. It's, it's motivational and just kind of like resonates with me. It's so So Yeah. 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 So, so I'll do it on the treadmill on Tuesdays when the weather's nice, like I still run in the snow. I just don't sprint in the snow because it's dangerous. And then Thursdays, I'll do it on the assault bike. And then if I have the heart, so if my HRV is high, if my recovery index is high, I'll do it on the row machine on a Saturday. But if my HRV is staggering a little bit, cause I trained so hard throughout the week, I'll, uh, I'll just, I'll opt out on Saturday and just go for like a super long ass hike.
0: Good call. That's great. Yeah. We start to get into like, you know, uh, what's most efficient versus like, yeah, but what do you also enjoy? And then it, mm-hmm. it, it's not always going to be about that. So I, I think that's really cool. And that I'm, I'm super familiar with that physiological side breath pattern that Huberman was talking about. I've never done, I've never utilized it in that, uh, immediate recovery stage. I've only ever done it. Like you and I talked about, you do it also at night. Sometimes when you're doing your gratitude, you sort of combine that, I've only done it in terms of, um, fairly, um, like normal kind of day to day when I'm, when I feel more emotionally stimulated with my nervous system, I'll throw that in. Uh, mm-hmm. but there's, there's other breath work that I use during that peak. So after that 22nd peak, like how quick can I recover? There's a, there's a breath system called like the gear breathing that is uh, is popularized by Brian McKenzie that I've sort of played with and modified a little bit, mm-hmm. um, And that's like a, I'll explain that quick, and then we'll jump back to what you're saying about um, getting into uh, nutrient efficiency. Um, This reverse gear breathing, and by the way, like Brian McKenzie and Huberman are basically buddies. So I'm wondering at some point if it's, if that physiological sigh is now more efficacious or if it's, if they're both, if they both work well, or I'm kinda, I'm gonna dig into that a little bit more. well, everything has its role, right? 100%. And it might just be, you know, another tool in the tool belt. What this what this gear breathing is, is essentially when you're at a max interval like that, um, you have five gears, just like gears in a car. And how I explain it to clients is, if you were to breathe, or so, say you were in gear one in a car, and uh, someone said like, okay, floor it. You're like, I can't. I'm in a really low gear, but I'm going to be really efficient with fuel. So they understand that. It's like, yeah, I'm going to drive if I'm going to drive slow on a standard, I'm going to put it in first gear. Whereas if I wanted to get somewhere really quick and I wasn't as didn't care as much about my gas mileage, I'm going to throw it in gear five. I'm going to be able to go as fast as I can in this car, but it's going to it's going to be less conservative on fuel. It's the same principle with this gear breathing. It's either through the nose or through the mouth, and it's certain rates at which you're breathing to, um, stimulate a certain gear. And what that does is it allows your body to, um, in in a short term, it allows your body to adapt, to be able to understand like the, the difficulty of, um, output you're at, um, and gives you the ability to be able to not just go based on like RPE, but also like within this five gear system, like, okay, I'm, I'm going this hard. What, where am I at gear wise? okay, if I'm at a three, I'm probably okay to be sustainable. If I'm at a gear five, I need to slow the fuck down if I need to go for another two minutes, right? Mm. And this gear breathing, you would reverse it. So after that 20 second, you know, simulated Jaguar chase through the jungle, if you were at a really high heart rate, which you likely would be, you would start at gear five, do a couple breaths, then gear four, then gear three, two, one. Just like in a car, if you're pulling up to a a red light, you're going to go five, four, three, two, one, right? Right. It's kind of interesting, but I hadn't heard the physiological sigh used in that, um, that component. So that's
1: neat. I'm going to try that. Yeah. Well, and so like for the, uh, for the fat loss component, it's, it's doing that, that style of training. It's, it's going to increase the machines, the machines responsible for energy utilization. It's going to improve their efficiency. So if people are looking to lose fat, sure. Like you could, you could lose fat doing steady state cardio. I don't think it's the greatest use of time. But you you can lose fat doing anything. You could lose fat going out in your backyard with a shovel. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? It's a lot of it. I'm not gonna say all of it, but like 90% of it is energy in, energy out. Right. And when you do, when you do steady state cardio, you're just getting a block of calories that you're burning, and then that's it. But but when you're doing HIT training, especially really intense HIT training, that investment carries on every single week as your, as your energy system becomes more efficient. Right. And is it the same thing, just dive into the
0: physiology or I guess this is more the biology is the same thing happening to your mitochondria during things like um, power lifting, like things like weight training, or is it, is it quite a bit different?
1: No, it's, it's, it's the same pathway, the same mechanism, right? Because you're putting a load and a demand on your body that it's not accustomed to. You know what I mean? The majority of your day is not spent deadlifting 300 pounds. And so if you just willy nilly go out there and start lifting weight, the more you do that, your body's like, oh shit, like we have to keep improving our energy demand because the weight keeps increasing. Mm -hmm. So yeah, it's doing vigorous exercise in general, whether that's weight training, HIIT training, you know, the, the, the method that I just explained, anything that's going to get you like, Oh my God, breathing heavy, your heart is pumping that in itself is going to help energy utilization and to improve your body's ability to transport nutrients to where they have to go.
0: Right. Yeah. That's great.
1: That's really efficient too. Like that's not a lot of time. No. No. And it's for me, you know, this, you know, this just as much as anybody, I'm all about time efficiency. I don't like to piss away time. I don't like to waste it. So if there's a way for me to capitalize on my cardiovascular output, you know what I mean? Doing like, maybe, maybe like today I was in a rush late to pick up my kids. And normally I leave at three to go get them. And it was two fifty eight, And I was like, shit, like, no, I'm going to go do it. So I went downstairs. I sat on the bike for like five seconds and I just went ham for 20 seconds. I took about a minute off, just tried to get my central nervous system down. Just bring the heart rate down, bring everything down super quick. Like there's even this method that you take your four fingers and you push deeply on your sternum and Mm -hmm. it'll also help. But so I literally, it was like one or two minutes. And then I just went and did the other 20 seconds. So it's like, you can get, and I can show you the data on my, uh, on my phone through the app I used that the, the output that happened in under three and a half minutes, like was just phenomenal. Mm. Phenomenal. It took me over like 20, 25 minutes to get my heart rate back down there, but my heart's pumping. It's everything is still going. It's still yeah. going. It's still going. Right.
0: And to your analogy about, you know, the 10 bucks at the beginning or the three bucks every month, that's what you're talking about. It's efficient, right? You're, you're walking out of the workout and your heart and your body is still like, fuck, man, we're still in this workout. I'm still recovering, right? So, yeah, to your point, that's that's the that's the effectiveness. And that's sort of the bonus of interval training in general versus steady state
1: cardio is yeah. those intervals. You're, what's your heart doing? It's- and so don't get me wrong, right? So at the beginning of the podcast, I mentioned duality. There's, there's good and there's bad, right? So if you have somebody that doesn't have the greatest heart health, maybe they have high blood pressure, maybe their heart rate variability is no good, maybe they're on medication, maybe their cortisol is absolutely through the roof, maybe their diet is out of whack, you know, to go dump that type of method on somebody would be irresponsible, in a sense, without gauging the intensity at which they're doing it, right? And this is where I wanted to communicate to your viewers that that's why it's always really important. I don't care. I do care if you choose me or Josh, but that's why it's important to know because a lot of people could just run out and start doing this approach, but they could actually be causing harm. They could actually be causing detriment if you don't know where your baseline is. These are the kind of things that you need to know. It's like using a tool responsibly. You wouldn't just let you know, your 14 year old go out there and drive a car, they don't have the practice and they could likely injure themselves or other people. Right.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Good call. I gotta, I gotta remember that my son's too. So I gotta keep them, keep them away out of the driving driver's seat. Um, do you want to talk about, um, do you have any other, uh, like that? I remember you talking about that workout efficiency tip and I thought that that was really cool. Do you have anything else that's also like, fairly unique in that, like that, that's unique. I haven't, I hadn't heard of that.
1: Yeah, um, so one of the ones that I use is I call it revival training. It's in like, it's in the year of my alpha program where I have people do a certain set of movements stopping three, three reps before failure. So let's say for instance, like February week three, you're going to start your morning shortly after waking up where you do two to four rounds of body weight squats, stopping about three reps before failure. And what that does is it's going to activate growth hormone, it's going to get your circulatory system mobilized, you're going to be in a fasted state, which means that your body's ability to mobilize fat stores, and stored glycogen are going to be there. And just hormonally speaking, you don't have to do a lot, a lot of the times these people think that they have to go into the gym for 30, 40, 50. Man, when people are in the gym more than an hour, I'm just like, fuck, like, I wished I had that kind of freedom and time to just, you know, go around in the gym for an hour, hour and a half. But yeah. like, I've got my workouts down to 20 minutes. And it's, you, it's not that you need to do a lot to get strong. It's not that you need to do a lot to have endurance and stamina. It's learning to just manage your time. How are you doing these things? Are you training at the right time of the day for your body? Or are you training at the wrong? Time of day for your body. If your goal, if your goal is fat loss, train in the morning. Train in the morning. If your goal is to build muscle, train in the afternoon. Train closer towards the evening. And that's just to do with your circadian rhythm. It's to do when you get your pulses in cortisol, your pulses and hormones, or your growth hormone. It's like fat loss, the best time to do it is in the morning. However, If you overproduce in cortisol, if you hold a lot of fluid, if you can flick your belly and you see water trickle halfway through your body, then you're holding excess fluid. You have to be careful at how intense you train in the morning because in the morning, cortisol is the highest. Mm -hmm. It's actually why you wake up. You wake up because cortisol is waking you up. It's mobilizing energy throughout your body. You have to be careful if you're a stressed out person, if you have really shitty sleep, if you're not eating enough calories, those ultra low calorie diets, and you're trying to lose fat, training in the morning can actually be detrimental. It can cause muscle wasting. It can increase your cortisol. It can increase fat gain. So, if you have decent, stabilized hormones, you're sleeping well, you're eating well, and you want to lose fat, train first thing in the morning. You don't have to go super insanely heavy. Body weight squats, Push-ups, burpees, planks, jumping jacks, mountain climbers, two to four sets, stop three reps before failure, wait an hour, hour and a half after that. Hell, even fast till lunch if you really want to lose some fat, but don't eat right away. Let your body mobilize the fat stores. Keep your metabolism high, your blood flow high, the endorphins high in the morning. So train in the morning if you want to lose fat right? Some people can't, I think can't as a matter of perspective, because I wake up at 530, and I do what I got to do before my kids are even up out of bed. Yeah, yeah,
0: that's fair. I mean, there's, I guess it's what are you willing to give up? And some people may not pick the most efficient route. And that's also okay, right? If you're like, yeah, Yeah. I want to talk about it.
1: So long as your foot is going in the right direction, that's what
0: matters most. 100% let's talk about intermittent fasting. It's obviously an aid to weight loss. It's a question that I get asked from almost everyone. I'm sure you do too. Um, last time we talked about intermittent fasting, you taught me something and, uh, it was about the difference between BCAs and ECAs or EAs. sorry. And it's something you sell as a supplement, but let's, let's break it down. I want you to talk about this as if someone's saying, Is intermittent fasting beneficial? What constitutes intermittent fasting? Because there's a lot of mixed um, information on that as well. And if if people are going to go through the effort and energy to intermittent fast, we want them to do it effectively.
1: Sure. Well, and everybody has a different approach to intermittent fasting that works for them. So let's talk about what intermittent fasting is. And it's just intermittent fasting is where you have periods of time without eating. Technically, when you go to bed, You're intermittent fasting. That means you're fasting. There's no food inside of your body. You're not eating, right? So there is a lot of information out there when people are like, you know, what breaks a fast? What doesn't break a fast? I like to keep shit really simple, okay? If you're drinking water, you're still fasting. If you're doing anything else, are you actually fasting? If you were in the woods, there's nothing around you and you just have a satchel or whatever water bottle and that's all you have, you're fasting. When you start getting into all of these hacks where people say, well, technically, you know, you could have medium chain triglycerides, which are MCTs during fasting because it doesn't really elevate your insulin. So technically it's fasting and it's like, you know what I mean? You can always find a reason to justify anything, Um, when I do intermittent fasting, there's a small handful of supplements that I personally take just to help balance hormones, autophagy, all of that kind of stuff. Um, and there's, you know what I mean? It's, it's everybody does fasting different. My, my 13 year old is already discovering his own intermittent fasting window with no help, no suggestion, no even education on my behalf. And he, he doesn't like breakfast. He just doesn't, he's not hungry. And my son is like insanely athletic, Hmm. like insanely. And parents are like, well, like, aren't you going to force him to eat breakfast? I'm like, am I going to force him against what his body is telling him to do? Like, he feels nauseous when he eats breakfast. Why would I force him to eat breakfast if it's going to make him feel nauseous?
0: Because then you don't fit in with everyone
1: else, Mike. Yeah, we want him to be another cog in the wheel. Yeah, well, exactly. one of my 13 year olds creating a Udemy course right now. Um, so, yeah, like intermittent fasting can be used therapeutically if you know what you're doing. I find a lot of the times when people do intermittent fasting, the easiest thing for people to do is go without breakfast right? So they go through their day, maybe they skip breakfast and they have lunch and they have dinner. Now that can help you with fat loss because you're trying to cram your calories into two meals. And because you're fasting in the morning, your stomach can shrink down a little bit. And then when you go to eat a big lunch, well, your tummy is a little bit reduced because there hasn't been much in there. So the amount of volume of food that you can actually intake can be reduced. So it can help you lose fat from a portion standpoint, Mm-hmm. Um, if you're exercising and you have an active job, you're moving around. Let's say you're doing a lot of that in the morning when you don't have any food in your body, guess what? It's going to mobilize fat stores. It's going to mobilize glycogen. So your body's going to get used to metabolizing its own stored fuel as a fuel source. So there's a lot of different ways people do intermittent fasting. Skipping breakfast is the easiest. Um, personally for me, Three to four days a week, I do 20 to 22 hour fasts, usually on training days. So Monday, Wednesday, Friday, I don't eat until dinner and I'll either train first thing in the morning and fast all the way until dinner. I'll either train at lunch and then fast till dinner, or I'll train kind of like two, three o'clock and then short fast till dinner. Right. But that's what, that's what works for my lifestyle. I'm hyper efficient when I'm not eating you'll get a small, uh, say a medium group of people. They're like, Oh, I, I could never, I could never go without breakfast. And it's like, well, yeah, that's because you're really glucose dependent. Those people that can't go without breakfast are the exact same people that get hangry when they don't have food.
0: Yeah. And that, yeah. yeah it's, it's a good, it's a good correlation for sure. It's uh, yeah, it's not that you have, and it's that we're associating some of the emotional behaviors with food and it's sort of just gunked together. Right. Um, you were talking about, uh, EAAs versus BCAAs. So we're going to get the bodybuilding community listening to this and saying, you know, I do my fasted cardio and maybe we haven't convinced them not to do two hours of cardio in the morning and that's maybe fine, but if they
1: like it, they like it. Exactly.
0: But if they're having BCAAs and they're thinking that they're fasting,
1: well, yeah, so BCAAs have been shown to increase insulin. So this is where you can start to kind of get into the weeds a little bit. But it's just like, if you're trying to improve the efficiency of your body, look at it this way. Let, let's look at it this way, okay? For people that are just only focused on the size of their muscle, it doesn't matter. Like go do whatever you're going to do to keep that amount of muscle on there. Like technically you don't even need the branch chain amino acids. Technically you'd be fine with just taking leucine up to five grams. The data shows is safe taking five grams of leucine to prevent muscular catabolism. Now you can depend on an exogenous amino acid like leucine for the protective nature of your body. So do you always want to be preserving your muscle because as you get older, your your proteins, the, those proteins don't fold the same way. They don't behave the same way. They don't act the same way. And you can get old ass muscle. You can get old muscle that doesn't function properly. It's the same way that you can have parts on your car that get old and then they cause issues. They don't They don't function the same way. So as somebody that prides myself, like I'd like to think that I'm in really good shape, but I want my body to be as efficient as possible. So I train fasted. I don't take BCAAs. I don't take EAAs. I don't take leucine. Periodically, I might, like if it's in the morning and I just, I know I haven't eaten enough, I'll just do it for preventative measure, but, or preventative measure, sorry. 90% of the time, Josh, I don't take anything. And so am I going to end up wasting through a little bit of muscle when I do my training, especially if it's intense. Yeah, I will. But guess what type of muscle my body is going to go after the same thing that the lion is going to go after where the cheetah is going to go after when it's out in the wild, it's going to go for the weak, slow, malnourished one because it's easy it's easy to go after. It's guaranteed, or at least it has a high probability of hunting the baby zebra because it's the slower, weaker version. It's the same thing. This term is called autophagy. It's when your body recycles the senescent cells, the shit that it does not need that's causing chaos and anarchy in your body. That's why I do my training fasted because my muscles might not be as big as some of these bodybuilder guys, but a lot of my protein is hyper-efficient. Like the, the the actual musculature in my body is hyper-efficient because my body can't afford to keep malfunctioning protein cells inside of my body. Much huh. like my fat loss, much like my fat loss program, the alpha program, it I I purposely build protocols in there where their body will actually get rid of senescent fat cells. Fat cells that are causing inflammation, fat cells that are miscommunicating because fat cells out of all of the cells in your body, fat cells have the biggest megaphone. And when they're not functioning properly, they're the loudest. That's what draws all of the immune cells to come and help fix these fat cells, which just doesn't happen. So EAAs and BCAAs, Hey man, like if you want to take those things personally, I would rather a full spectrum. EAA because you don't get the same insulin spike that you do with BCAAs and it's very minute. Like I'm talking, we're getting into like the real hardcore stuff, but yeah, I always prefer EAAs just because they're all the essential amino acids, all of them play a role in some way, shape, or form in communication with which genes are turning on, which hormones are supposed to be functioning here and there. And you know what I mean? If you're constantly act if you're constantly activating mTOR, you're aging your body like a lot faster than what you need to. Sure. You're gonna be absolutely heisted and shredded, but. You're going to age like friggin', you know, fresh cooked bread in the cold room. Like you're just going to age super quick. Can you, uh,
0: can you get into the mTOR stimulation and break that down a little bit more?
1: Uh, we can, I don't know if it's going to be super relevant for the viewers in terms of fat loss, but yeah, so we have, we have kind of two mechanisms. We have autophagy and we have mTOR. So when you see children that shoot up over the summer, you're like, Holy shit this kid just grew like eight inches. Mm -hmm. You know, he's getting a lot more mTOR activation, a lot more growth. You're getting a lot more division of cells, division, 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 division. that's how these children, like amongst a whole bunch of other mechanisms, but that's one of the ways that they grow, right? mTOR happens when you go in and you do a nice anabolic workout, you're getting mTOR. And you get a lot of these guys that are like anabolic, 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 and anabolic. And you know, sure, that's great for huge muscles and it's great for fat loss. And in the short term, all of these things are good, but it's in the long haul when you're constantly activating mTOR, it's you're you're duplicating your cells faster and faster and faster and faster. And after a certain age, like your body starts aging, you know, do you really want to be duplicating bad shitty cells that are malfunctioning? You know, do you really want to increase your risk of cancer? Do you want to increase your risk of age-related diseases? That's why autophagy is such a hot topic right now in like the biohacking world and the fitness and nutrition and health sectors, because we're realizing that, you know what I mean? Being big and jacked and super muscular. Yeah, it has its benefits. It has its ego boosting properties. But you know what I mean? At the end of the day, we do need muscle, but it's, We don't need as much as what I think a lot of guys feel, even myself included, what we feel that we actually need. So if you want to protect your muscle and you want to grow your muscle, more so if you want to grow your muscle substantially, take EAAs before your workout. It's going to prevent, for the most part, your body catabolizing muscle. Okay. But I'm okay. Training fasted because like my muscles are big, but I don't need to go huge. I prefer to have nice, clean, strong, efficient, long lasting muscles that aren't going to cause chronic inflammation.
0: Yeah. Yeah. That's great, man. I appreciate that. Uh, autophagy versus the, uh, mTOR pathway, uh, explanation. Do you want to talk about, um, do you want to get into nutrient efficiency a little bit more in terms of fat loss?
1: Yeah. Um, well, metabolic flexibility, you know, if, if you're concerned about body composition, try not to get into a niche diet. You know what I mean? Try not to get into like just keto or just carbs or just salmon. Like it, it has to be balanced. The way that I build my plans is I, excuse me, please. I have keto days, carb days, keto days, carb days, keto days, carb days. It's laid out in a seven day cycle to create something called metabolic flexibility. Do you want your body to be able to consume dietary fat and use it properly? Do you want to be able to have olive oil and your body can use it properly without storing fat? Do you want to be able to have quinoa and your body be able to use it without storing fat? Do you want to be able to have steak or chicken or Greek yogurt? And your body be able to use it and not store it as fat. Nutrient delivery, like if we're not talking about the mechanisms of nutrient delivery, like how nutrients are delivered, but in terms of like what nutrients we're consuming, it's everybody's going to have a little bit of a different scope. What I've found to be insanely successful is alternating between keto and carb days. And it's the best possible way for you to develop metabolic flexibility. You know, you're not going to get the long-term insulin resistance and risk of dementia of doing keto, but then you're also not going to die really young from having huge amounts of protein all of the time. And you're not going to be super obese because you're always eating carbs. It's being able to take the benefits of high carbs, take the benefits of high fat, take the benefits of moderate amount of protein and weaving it through a weekly program that allows your body to get the best benefits of all, all the world or all of the nutrition. If I just said you're only allowed one vitamin, you know what I mean? What's going to happen if you just have one vitamin?
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah. You're You're going to
1: feel limited for sure. And you, and you will be limited. Of course, you, you need a lot of different vitamins and a lot of different minerals. And to think that we can extract what our body needs from a very limited scope on nutrition, you know what I mean. Its metabolic flexibility is huge. It's literally being able to have your cake and fat and eat it too. Like you want to be able to have both of those. And you, you mentioned earlier about the behavioral component. If I say Josh, you're only allowed to go keto. Like that. That subconscious mind is like, well, what happens when carbs come up? What happens if it's summertime and I want to crack a couple beers? What happens if I want to, you know, I'm craving some apples or bananas, you know, you want apples, you want the skin on your apples to build up the acromantia in your gut health, but you can't have that on keto. Right. But then when you're, when you're going high carb, you don't want to be mixing fats with high carbs because, well, then you're going to be pulling fat into the cell with the carbs and your body will metabolize the carbs because it's easier And then it'll store the fat. Mm
0: -hmm. So it's
1: like, how do we navigate the waters of proper macronutrients? You know, how much protein, how much carbs, how much fat, when and where personally on my Mondays, Wednesdays, Fridays, and Sundays in my alpha plan, I have a certain ratio that's in there, but I have mostly protein and carbs. There's not a lot of fat. Mm -hmm. And then Tuesdays, Thursdays, Saturdays, they're keto days. You know, and my, my clients frigging love it because they get the best of both worlds. It's like sometimes you crave fatty shit. Sometimes you crave a big juicy burger or a big steak, like a nice fat ribeye, or you're craving nacho or not nachos, but you're craving tacos or something yeah. like that. You know yeah. what I mean? Or fish, peanut butter, all those kind of things. It's days are designated for that. But then there's days for you to have your rice and your beans and your quinoa and your yeah. fruits. But how do you mechanistically weave that in a way that your body's going to be able to lose fat, right? So it's yeah. that's the way that I have conducted uh, my programs. I've seen a lot of friggin' success with it. And even myself, it's, it's being able to be adaptable. You got to be adaptable. Otherwise, you're going to fail.
0: So if we were to and not that this is uh, how you would approach something, but just for for us to understand this. So metabolic flexibility, we'll call it the metabolic flexibility diet, I guess. Right. Or the sure, approach yeah. approach versus, you know, just like a stable, balanced macronutrient profile. Um, if we sort of set aside, you know, the behaviors and the cravings and the whatever the emotional components that might sort of modify that and co- uh, complicate it. Is there still uh, more? Have you seen more fat loss success from the metabolic flexible metabolic flexibility approach versus just like a balanced uh, macronutrient?
1: Yeah, I have personally, and the reason why is remember how I told you not too long ago about the like one person out of ten you give them that plan, they just go off and they do their thing. Like, yeah. there's very few people that are okay doing the exact same thing every single day.
0: Yeah, that's and.
1: Fair. And there's even a caveat with that, right? Like if you do the same thing every single day, your body gets desensitized to it. You know, if every day you do five pushups, okay. Like, are you really going to improve past those five pushups? No, like, sure. You could go a little bit slower and stuff like that, but it's a very, it's, it's a short return. And so sure. Like you could have the same macronutrient profile and constantly switch up your foods. You know, if that's, what's going to work for you. But there should be periods of time where your fat is higher. There should be periods of time where your carbs are higher. You know, if, if your macronutrient ratio is 40% protein, 40% fat, 20% carbs, and then you're always eating your carbs at the end of the day, well, how are you sensitizing your pancreas to insulin in the morning? You know what I mean? Then your insulin is going to just progressively, your body is going to learn to keep your insulin lower in the morning. And it's good to have that adaptability for when you change, because if you always have the same system and the same protocol, how are you going to be prepared for unexpected variables? You know, if, if you're always doing CrossFit and then you come over and you come train with me and I'm like, Hey, like, just so you know, we're doing an entire session of isometrics. Yeah. Like you're not going to be conditioned for that. You're going to be ultra sore, Mm -hmm. you know? And it's, it's like, are you adaptable? Because that's what's going to determine if you're successful. If you have certain macronutrient protocols, what's going to happen to you if you go to a wedding? What's going to happen to you if you go over to your mother-in-law's, right? Like you could turn that around and flip it on me and say, okay, well, what can I have? Can I have carbs? Is it? it it's a keto day that I'm going to my mom's, but she's having carbs but you've created metabolic flexibility. Your body knows what to do if you're going to have a bunch of carbs. Your right. body knows what to do if you're going to have a bunch of fat. Your body knows what to do if it's going to be a bunch of protein. And it's just diversifying the scope and perspective of what does your body, what what can your body handle?
0: Mm-hmm. You know,
1: Can you handle 500 push-ups? I knew a guy once that did 1,000 burpees in a day, right? So... <laughs> So his body wasn't prepared for that. He probably was rolling around in a wheelchair for a couple of days, but the the whole goal with fat loss is, can you be adaptable? Can you be adaptable? And some people don't need to be, they live nice, simple lives. They have their, you know, 40, 40, 20, whatever it is. And that's their thing. And that's what works for them. That's great. It's just, I like to cycle between ketosis and carbs because there's a lot of therapeutic approaches for both. And you know what I mean? If, if we can focus on cognitive health and gut health and heart health and muscle health and skeletal health, if we can focus on all of that in a manner that permits freedom, you know what I mean? Where people get a chance to experience new things. Like on my program, there's nachos, there's steak, there's waffles, there's cookies, there's brownies, there's smoothies, there's everything. And people, a lot of my clients look at it where they're like, man, there's like so much diversity. It's great, but it's, it's functional. It's right. functional. Like, why are we having black beans? Well, we're having black beans to build up bifidobacterium in our gut. So our immunity is fantastic, right? It's like, why are we having what we're having? And right. then how do we compile it? Nice, sexy, beautiful package and deliver you fat loss. Yeah. Right. That's crazy. So- yeah. Yeah. That's yeah. awesome.
0: Um, fuck. What was I going to ask you? Nothing about burpees, that's for sure. Um, you did
1: enough for everybody, man. For the yeah, rest of yeah, ever,
0: <laughs> yeah, it's fine. Yeah, I can't say I, 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 truthfully wasn't very sore the next day, but I, you got to think a thousand reps of anterior dominant work, like not necessarily excellent for, for postural balancing. Yeah, it wasn't a chiropractic recommend recommendation. Let's put it that way.
1: Yeah. Goodbye, anterior.
0: <laughs> yeah. Good. I don't. I don't need any. I don't need anything in there. Stability doesn't matter. Do you want to get into, um, I feel good about the metabolic flexibility conversation. Do you want to talk about, uh, we've sort of hacked, you know, the fat loss supplements that are, make such a small role in in um, efficiency and, and probably don't do a whole lot of good. Is there, what in terms of supplementation do you like to cover with folks that are, that are willing to spend the money?
1: So, um, I or don't like loss? to... Yeah. So I don't directly like to go out and just say, here's a fat loss supplement. That's going to help you lose fat. It's I'm more of a person that likes to educate, like what's the mechanistic behavior behind fat loss. So for instance, when, uh, in my, in the January and may component of my year of the alpha, that month is designated to aggressive fat loss. So aggressive fat loss in January, because most of the times people fall off the deep end in Christmas. And then when we start to near summer, people are usually wanting to get into really good shape. So that's when I build those months designated for aggressive fat loss. We have an appropriate calorie range matched with appropriate exercises and appropriate foods. But when it, when it comes to the supplement component, one of the supplements that I built is called ADAPT, and it's a, it's a high dosage of ashwagandha. So you could go out and say, okay, well, like ashwagandha isn't a fat loss supplement. And I'm like, you're right. You're absolutely right. However, fat loss is disgustingly inflammatory, especially people that have had weight yo-yoing and yo-yo dieting. Their inflammatory response to fat loss is going to be hyper elevated. So these people, when they start doing aggressive fat loss, their goals are going to be diluted because of stress because of elevated cortisol, you and I both know that when you go on a cut, one of the first things that go is your sleep quality, your mood, your energy, right? So when I built, it's called adapt and I get them to take it in the evening. And in the morning, it helps their body utilize testosterone. I don't care if you're a female, you still need testosterone for many reasons, but it helps with fat loss, but it also helps buffer the stress response and stress is inflammatory. Inflammation causes fat gain. So we could go out and take all the supplements in the world to help mobilize our fat stores. But if we're not combating the inflammatory response for this, then your weight loss is going to stall. Your weight is going to be one of those people where your weight is always bouncing all over the place. And thirdly, and most likely, when you're done your little fat loss protocol and you get back to reality, yeah, there it is. Yeah. Up goes your weight, right? So how do we how do we address the mechanistic behavior behind fat loss? And then how do we treat and combat that mechanistic behavior? So when I created adapt, it's a high potency ashwagandha with Berber or sorry, bioprene. So it's like black pepper to increase Mm -hmm. the bioavailability, but it's to help offset the stress response for fat. Right. Right. That's great. So, you know, like I could go put every synthetic compound under the sun to, to help you mobilize fat, but if you're not treating why you're fat, why the fat is happening and the response to that fat loss, it's not going to matter.
0: Yeah. It's a shallow it's, approach
1: for sure. Yeah. And it's, it's temporary, it, like back to that investment line. It's like, it's the investment that you'll put a hundred bucks in, but you lose 140 by the time it's done. And it's not worth it because every time that you lose, you lose more and more and more. And then before you know it, you're so far away from your fat loss goal that you just say, fuck it and throw in the towel, you know? And I, there's people that go for gastric bypass. There are people that go for lipo. And I just, man, like my heart breaks that people like that feel so defeated and that they they have to resort to something like that and what these people don't realize is genetically like you can suck all those fat cells out of your body but your body has a threshold for how many fat cells are in there and it'll grow new ones
0: yeah your body keeps the score i know it's it's a great book but it's a great line too like you can't you're not pulling nervous system or cellular information out when you're sucking sucking fat
1: out so it's yeah. yeah. You can't cheat fat loss. Like yeah. you you can't, you have to understand the mechanistic actions of fat loss to be able to lose fat properly and keep it off. Yeah. Right. So That's in terms of fat,
0: bears, that, that line probably bears repeating, Mike, if you want to say that again,
1: I'm just going to let people just loop it yeah. over <laughs> and we'll make a meme out of it. <laughs> And so, and so another one, right. So another one that isn't directly for fat loss, but my collagen supplement, I, I named it Rebuild, And the reason why I named it rebuilt is because if this is your fat cell and you're trying to shrink it. Okay. That's the goal of fat loss. You're trying to shrink your fat cell. Well, there's an area around your fat cell and throughout your body called the extracellular matrix. It's kind of like the mortar around a brick. And so the bricks just aren't all floating all over the place. It keeps it in a designated spot. Now, one of the issues is that, sure, when you're young, you know, those fat cells shrink, no problem. The extracellular matrix kind of goes with it, right? The mortar kind of comes with the shrinking brick. But when you do it, when those fat cells shrink, and then they grow, and then they shrink, and then they grow, your body doesn't like that, it causes a lot of inflammation, because the mortar, the structure is getting stressed out. So to prevent that from happening, your body builds these actin fibers. So your fat cell has this little actin fiber anchoring to the extracellular matrix is trying to shrink. It's trying to shrink and it's actually pulling on the mortar. Now your body can rebuild that extracellular matrix in that area, which is disgustingly expensive from an energy standpoint, or it can just fill the fat cell back up. Right. Easy breezy, beautiful cover girl. Okay. Just like that. The fat cell fills back up. So, rebuild, I had, which is a collagen, it's a grass fed antibiotic, hormone free collagen supplement, but I made sure that it was extra high in glycine, which is an amino acid that's responsible for connective tissue repair. Your extracellular matrix, glycine connective tissue. So while you're losing fat, when your body is a little bit more saturated with glycine, that extracellular matrix is able to modify and come in with the fat cell. It's not as stressed. It's not anchoring on this super rock hard extracellular matrix that's been damaged due to yo-yo diet. So is this going to directly incinerate a bunch of fat No, but you can incinerate as much fat as you want. But if that fat cell is not shrinking due to stiffened extracellular matrix, which happens a lot of the time, Mm. it's not going to matter. You could pop every frigging pill that you want. If that fat cell isn't going to shrink, it isn't going to shrink. So that's why. So even though it's not a direct fat loss supplement, that's what's going to help allow your fat cells to shrink you see what i'm saying it's the mechanistic behavior what what is the fat loss
0: yeah yeah you're, right? kind of, you're kind of feeding and supporting the physiology versus feeding the again it's just a deeper response versus just shallow like you want fat loss okay this is going to help with fat loss yeah so you're actually th- explaining what happens with fat loss and what support your body
1: will need well look at all the people post-season My God, man, these people that compete, it's one of the reasons why I never went and competed. It's one of the reasons, like even the boxers, the UFC fighters, man, it's like the constant cutting and dropping the cutting and dropping. And every fucking time these people, it's like harder and harder and harder. And they have to go to such extremes to be able to make weight. And it's just, eventually they're just like, man, I can't make it. Or they're so damn inflamed that it doesn't make it worthwhile anyways. Right. So it's like ending that cycle of abuse by let's, you know, what supplements like food first, exercise first, sleep, food, exercise, those kind of things. But what kind of accents can we employ into your protocol that's actually really going to help you with fat loss? Well, yeah. guess what? You could try to lose as much fat as you want, but if your cortisol is through the roof, You are not going to lose the fat. You're going to lose a bunch of muscle. You're going to get skinny fat. You're going to be holding a bunch of water weight. You're going to feel weak. You're going to look shitty. So I built adapt to manage the cortisol response that happens with aggressive fat loss.
0: Yeah, that's great, man. That's really smart. And I appreciate your explanation around it because it's, it's very educational and it's completely different than mainstream supplement, uh, advice. That's fucking awesome. I had a question about, um, fat loss and menstrual cycle. Um, and specifically, if you want to dive into this, we're probably getting close to time. If not at time, do you want to go down this road for a few minutes? Sure. Absolutely. So, um, there's not a whole lot of trainers that talk about menstrual cycle it's sort of like one of those topics that I know when I was beginning out as a trainer, I sort of just avoided. Cause I was like, I don't know if I need to learn about this. And then a couple of years ago, I was like, yeah, I really need to learn about this. Like why the fuck am I not learning about this? Um, I am curious to see how maybe we stick to a, um, I don't know. I would like to hear your approach with food. Um, whether it's metabolic, uh, the metabolic flexibility diet, or just, uh, food in general, how, you coach someone that's going through a menstrual cycle and how that might change how they eat or what you recommend or prescribe they eat?
1: Yeah, well, again, right? Every female is going to have a different severity, a different gravity, and a different ebb and flow of their hormones. You get some women that are absolutely crippled when they get their period. You get other women that can still go out there and do CrossFit right? So it's, it's navigating each individual woman and their physiology. One of my clients, I can't train her. She has her period is way too heavy. Her iron drops way too low. She has absolutely no energy whatsoever. She takes my alpha female supplement, which is a hormone support that I recommend for women about in between seven to 10 days prior to when they get their period. It Mm. just acts as a buffer so that they're not going too out of whack. But then you also have to ask yourself when you're training your, especially with the women, do you have an IUD? Are you taking birth control? Because those kind of things are gonna completely scramble your hormone response and your ability to lose fat. Yeah. If you have an IUD, oh I I just I don't know how IUDs are even legal. Yeah.
0: And I know, and I, and I want to say quick to get
1: fibrosis, man. Like, Oh my God.
0: I want to, I want to say like, it's important for me to say, you know, we're both two men talking about the cycle, um, you know, but we're also educated to different degrees on this. And it's important that we talk about that. But I, I want to say we're not claiming to understand women better than they understand themselves. It's a, it's a, it can be sticky, but. You know what,
1: Josh, you want to know why? Because. Females, as many men are gonna come out there and hunt me down for this, they're just they're the intelligent, they're the more intelligent gender. They're the strongest and most intelligent of the two genders. I would die if I gave birth. I'll tell you right now. I'm a tough man, but if I had to give birth, now. I would die. Did I believe would, I'd be like, I'm just gonna die. Is that yeah. is that all right? <laughs>
0: yeah, let's go.
1: Men will not understand women. I do understand female physiology. Um, If I were to give you a couple points, because we are getting close to time, is depending on the flow, like it's different. If you're in my alpha program versus an actual coaching client, it's going to be different because I'm going to get to see lab values. I'm going to get to see blood work et cetera, et cetera. If you have a heavy flow, I'm going to encourage a little bit more red meat during that week, primarily because it's going to be a little bit higher in iron and you're going to be losing a fair bit of blood. If you have a heavy flow to offset the buffer for the hormones that week, I do not encourage metabolic flexibility. I encourage straight across the board, 40 carbs, 40 protein, 20 fat. And the reason why is it helps act as a buffer, as I said, for the hormones. Um, What else can I throw in there? (sighs) Listening to your body with exercise. A lot of women will try and hard charge through their sessions. If you don't have the energy, don't push yourself. The amount of physiological change that's happening inside of your body, you wanna let your natural reproductive system do its job. A good analogy is that if I have a severe infection inside of my body and I go out and train, I'm now going to hyper my immune system. My immune system is now going to become overworked because not only is it trying to battle the infection, but it's now the immune cells are trying to repair all the damage caused by exercise. We're going to overtax the system you don't want to overtax your reproductive system because you could just then amplify the systems even worse. And one of the things about the human body is it has experience. It remembers. So if you're constantly beating yourself up in the midst of your period, whether it's luteal phase or not, you have to listen to your body. You have to. And if you don't have the energy, don't do it. Yeah. Just don't.
0: Yeah. That's good advice. That's uh well, I say that biasly because that's also the information I have, but the approach that I have, but I, I do find it interesting when I'm, it's, it's touch, it's sort of like a touchy subject when I'm like, yeah, you know, from what I've learned, like, this is what you you should know. And, uh, I want to tell you this, but again, it's your body. And it, the one thing I throw my hands up about is the IUDs too, because any information I know when, when I, when I have a client that has an IUD, I'm just like, I don't fucking know then. Truthfully, it's like hands in the air. I'm like, I don't know.
1: I, You know what, Josh? I've had, I don't know, probably over the last year, I've maybe had about five or six women. There hasn't been a lot over the last year, but they all could not lose weight. The constant bleeding, the constant acne. It's just that huge of a dose of hormones like inside of your body. I just... I can't, I can't justify it inside of my head. And there's a book out there. I forget what the doctor's name, forgive me. Cause my memory is usually really on par. I'm actually almost 35 minutes past my bedtime because I'm old like that. Fair um, man, fair there's fair a man. book out there called beyond the pill. I forget what her name is, but I've literally, I've purchased it for three of my clients. I've purchased the book and given it to them, like read that book front to back before you take birth control and before you take an iud or put in an iud now look i'm not going out there and saying that you know having a baby irresponsibly is the thing to do it's not my job to tell you what's right or wrong or where you should be in your life it's just this is a question for me on physiological health and well-being i'm in the business of making sure that i make people healthy like I would treat you like I would treat my sister or treat my wife or treat my mother. That is how I treat my female clients. And it's just, man, I'm, I'm not here to persuade or blackmail, manipulate, or made feel guilty. It's just, you know what I mean? It's, there's, there's safer things like condoms there. There really is. And I know it's not the same. I get it, but it's just, your health is worth more. Yeah. It really is. And I, I'm not, I, I'm very sensitive and delicate to the subject. I'm not trying to overstep any boundaries to the female viewers. Just please, if there's one thing that you get from this video, go by the book Beyond the Pill and let that be your compass on whether or not you should be, at least it will educate you and inform you on the short and long-term impacts of being on birth control, whether it's IUD or oral.
0: Dude, that's a great way to, to finish this podcast. Man, I learned a lot. You're, uh, I'm mind-blown. I got a lot of research to do, and I'm going to be contacting you, and I uh, appreciate your time.
1: Yeah, man, I, I love speaking with you, Josh. It's always been good, man.